Okay, so I'm going to be a little bit everywhere today, probably with my message as well, because I'm going to be doing storytelling with you guys. Um, when you look back at the people of Israel, uh, they have always been a people, and, uh, and just in the Middle East in general, they've been a people who are very good at telling stories and giving an oral account of their history as a people. And I feel that in modern day culture, we've really lost that skill. We've lost that art form of being able to tell our story. Because when we tell our story, we tell where God has taken us from, but we can also tell a lot about where God is taking us in the future. So this morning, I want to tell a little bit of the story of the Brackett family, where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going. So I hope it's a blessing to you that you can see God's fingerprints on our lives and hopefully see reflections of your own story within the midst of our story. Is that okay? So how many of you have read the book The Hobbit or have seen the movie? Anyone? All right, most of you. Good. So we're going to be in a good place. Uh, you know, I just got around to seeing the movie on the flight over here, uh, which I enjoyed. I've seen The Lord of the Rings, uh, but I just saw the first Hobbit. So, uh, so I took some, some notes through. I didn't realize I was taking notes, but sometimes we watch things and later on God brings it to our remembrance. So um, as I was thinking, you know, you have this character, the central character whose name is uh, Bilbo Baggins. And he's a simple hobbit. He's a simple person living in his simple shire in his simple cottage. And he has a very comfortable life that he enjoys very much. And then one day he gets a knock on his door and it's a wizard named Gandalf the Grey. And Gandalf invites him onto this great adventure. And before you know it, you have this whole group of people he's never met before in his house, in his space, eating all of his food and totally messing up his world. Okay, so so he's invited to go on this great adventure. And he says, I I don't like adventure because they make one late for supper. You know, isn't that the reaction we have so many times when God wants to pull us out of our comfort zone? He wants to pull us out of the place where we're at, our comfortable shire, the, the nice, comfortable little area that we have built for ourselves, the place of our security. And we don't want to step out of that because we like our normal, right? How many of you like your normal? Okay, if you don't like your normal, come be a missionary like me and get a new normal. Okay, but if you like your normal, and I love it, we've been so tired as a family because we are running everywhere here in the United States. And back in Thailand, we have our normal, and it's our normal routine. We get up the same time, eat the same foods, go to the same places. And here, we're going there, we're going there, we're going everywhere. And it's making us late for supper very often. (laughs) So, So Bilbo says, I'm not going on this adventure. Good luck with all of that. I'm going to be staying right here, having my tea and enjoying life. So he's there for a little while. And before you know it, he starts to kind of rethink his position on this whole adventure thing. And he starts to to think about it. And for whatever reason, he decides that he's going to go chase them down. And he's going to go pursue this great adventure. And I think my story is very much like that. You know, I was in this church. I was very comfortable with where I was, where God had me. And he invited me on this adventure. And I was certainly the most unlikely of candidates. When I did my first missions trip in 1999, it was for two weeks. And there were people in my family who said, he's going to have to come back before the two weeks are up. There's no way this kid is going to make it. I was 19 years old, and uh, I went to Malaysia and Brunei. And what I experienced out there completely broke my heart. I saw so many children who, who um, had no opportunity to hear the gospel. 
In Malaysia, the Malay people group are considered basically 100% Muslim. And by law, they're not even allowed to come to church to hear the gospel. So my heart being for Muslim people was that they would have an opportunity to understand who I believe Jesus truly is. So with that in mind, I came back home and I quit my job. And of course, you know, that went over really, really well. So, uh, so I said, I'm going to go into missions. And, and some of my family members were like, that's great. How much is that going to pay you? you know? I said, oh, they don't pay us. Actually, you know, we, we have to pay the organization. And, and you know, that went over really well also. So, so off we went to, uh, um, or off I went to, to YWAM Nashville to get trained as a missionary. And the things that I learned while I was in YWAM Nashville um, was just a small portion of I believe was God's heart. I learned about 2.2 billion people who had never heard the gospel, who never had an understanding of who Jesus was and what he did for them. And I learned about this area Pastor Phil talked about this morning called the 1040 window, where this huge area of the world has no experience of the love of God. And I said, you know what? I want to give the rest of my life to this. And there I was, caught up in God's adventure, off doing things I had no idea what I was doing. Went to seven different nations during that time, took the gospel to a lot of different places. And then somewhere along the way, my wife comes into the picture, and we get married, and we have Nikhail, and then we make our first long-term trip to Malaysia. So for Malaysia, we were there for six and a half years. Now, Malaysia was a, was a very difficult time for our family. Now, it's very easy for us to think that when God calls us to this great adventure, things are going to be great and perfect and comfortable. I know all of your lives are like that, and none of you have any problems whatsoever. But for us, we found, like in the story, Bilbo gets out there, and there's dragons, there are stone monsters, there's all these things, and there is real danger at every turn. Just because you're on adventure doesn't mean you're not going to face hardship, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to face problems. So our biggest problem in Malaysia wasn't the people we were ministering to, it wasn't the culture, it was the people we were working with in ministry. How many of y'all have ever been hurt by somebody else in the church? It never happens, right? Just, just my experience. But man, you know, we went there with high expectations of having these great relationships with the people we were working with. And from the moment our feet hit the ground, it was pure misery. Pure misery. You know, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And that is such a curious passage of Scripture, that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And I personally believe that pain and suffering is one of the greatest teachers we can have in life. For the ones of us who are a bit smarter and quicker, we learn from other people's pains. And we see someone else and we're like, I'm not going to do that. You know? But if you're like me, we have to learn through our own pain. And we have to learn through our own struggles and our own suffering. And as hard as it was in Malaysia, we were able to stick it out for six and a half years. And we saw so many awesome things happen in ministry. Our uh, ministry there was primarily to refugee children. We had refugees from Iran. We had refugees from Myanmar. We had refugees from Sri Lanka and a lot of different places. And this ministry went from 80 students to over 800 students in six and a half years. A tenfold increase. So it was very fruitful, but at the same time, our marriage isn't doing well. Our relationships aren't doing well. And personally, I'm falling apart inside because I'm working myself into the ground, and it was not a good situation. So as we're in this place, um, 
we had a team of Christian psychologists come through, and two of them met with me, and they both said, Nick, you need to get out of here. I said, I said okay, let me just, you know, finish out, the, finish out next year, you know, and, and I'll make a move. And they said, no, listen, you need to get out right now. They said, the place where you're going right now is not a good place, and you, you may not be able to recover from this. So, uh, so we made our plans to, to leave from, from Malaysia, and um, that was through a lot of brokenness. That was uh, without me feeling like I had accomplished much. Uh, my wife did great in ministry there. Um, I struggled a lot more, but I felt like I had failed. I felt like I wasn't good enough to hack it. I felt like I couldn't, you know, do what I had set out to do and really felt like a failure as a father, as a missionary, and as a husband. So when we go through pain, the question of how am I going to frame this pain is very important, okay? Because one thing we can do is we can look through our pain through the lens of shame. And what we say is we say, this all happened to me because I'm not a good person, or this happened to me because of some sin, or this happened to me because God doesn't love me, or this happened to me because God's favor is not upon my life. And this is one way that we can look through the pain that we go through in life. Another way we can do is we can do it through the lens of blame. And we can say, God, I don't deserve this. God, I came here as a missionary. I came here for you. And you put me through all of this. What's the deal? Is this the way you treat your children? But I didn't look at it that way. I tried to reframe my pain through, through the lens of, of the fact that we have an enemy in this world. And it's not people. And it's not our husband and it's not our spouse, but we have an enemy called the devil. And he works through fallen people, you know, and everyone is human. Everyone is human. And he works through broken people to make your life an absolute misery. So rather than point the finger at myself and say, this is all because of me, and point the finger at God and say, God, this is all because of you, I just learned to accept that this pain is a part of my story. This is a part of the process that God is going to use something that was intended for evil. He's going to turn it around and use it for good. And I think that that in Christianity, we want to trust people who have been through brokenness more than anyone. Because people who have been broken, those are real people. Those are people who are not going to put on a facade and put on a second face and make you think everything is great. Because you know what? been ground by the wheels of brokenness in life. And in those places of brokenness, those are the places where we encounter God. I'm not saying that you can't encounter, you can't encounter God otherwise, but the fact is, is we are so good at hiding and deflecting and making everything look so great. And to the place to where you can look yourself in the eye and say, I am a complete and utter mess. And God still loves me in the midst of it. And I think that is the place that God brings us to sometimes. And it's that's the place where he begins to work in our hearts. So we come back from Malaysia really, really broken and, and um, not, not of much use for an entire year. For an entire year, we were just like numb and didn't really experience any emotions. But we found that God was doing a healing in our lives and he was restoring us and our family was doing better and our marriage was doing better. And, and God was bringing about a healing. 
no matter what brokenness you have experienced in your life, no matter what hardships you have experienced, God is not the cause of that necessarily, but God can bring about healing and restoration. And when you have broken, then you can become a healer because you've experienced the things that other people are walking through. And you're like, listen, I can tell you one thing. God is faithful and he can lead you through this. And I'm willing to hold your hand and to help you to walk through this process. So after about a year, we decided that we were um, ready to start looking at another place to go out onto the field and to go uh, back to Asia. So a lot of people didn't think that we were going to be able to go back out because of the amount of uh, pain that we had walked through. And a lot of times when missionaries come back home from their assignments, um, people would like to think that it's because, man, it's because they did such a great ministry and everything's just working perfectly and they just weren't needed anymore. But the fact is, a lot of time missionaries, they come back broke from finances, they come back in poor health, they come back with relational problems in their family, they come back with aging parents who need to be taken care of, or they come back with, um, um, what's the fifth thing I'm missing here? Health problems um, for the family or for yourselves, right? Yeah, health problems with, within your own family. And that's the, uh, sorry, no, the fifth one is relationship problems on the field. And that's exactly why we came back from Malaysia. We were happy with everything else, but man, we just couldn't get along with the people we were working with, and it was really starting to affect other areas. So when missionaries come back, that's a lot of times the reason we come back. So, um, so then there becomes a, a question of, are they going to be able to recover? Are they able to get the counseling they need in order to continue doing that? Or are they just going to assimilate back into um, American culture and, and get on with, uh, with an American life? So a lot of people thought we were done for, especially me. I kind of carried it worse than, than everyone else. Uh, but man, God was so faithful to walk us through that and to restore. And after a year, we said, you know what? We're ready to go back out. And God called us to Thailand. We work in northern Thailand now um, amongst the people who are 98.8% non-Christians. So Thailand has the distinction of being the nation... Uh, the highest percentage of non-Christians of any country in the world where it's free to preach the gospel. I know it's going to take a second to wrap your head around that. But what I'm saying is we have absolute freedom to preach the gospel, but still Thailand is only 1.2% Christian. So that's a remarkable statistic. And our role in that country is to, um, is, um, well, my wife particularly, she works at the Chiang Rai International Christian School. And her ministry is primarily to the families. Uh, or, or missionary families, the children of missionary families. Because one of the problems you have as a missionary is when you go out there, you have to think, how am I going to educate my children now? Very often, you legally can't even go to a government school. Uh, international schools can be very, very expensive. And uh, your only other option is homeschooling. So homeschooling can be very, very difficult, and not everyone is called to do that. So what's great about the international school Rosie works for is... Um, they are set up to be a service to the missionaries who are in the community. So because of that, they keep the cost affordable for missionaries. And through Rosie's contribution there, we're able to see the spou uh, both spouses of these children to be able to go out and to be involved in full-time ministry. Instead of being tied at home homeschooling, they can put their children in the school and then be about their ministry and then pick them up at the end of the day. So that's a huge, huge necessary service. So through that, uh, some of Rosie's parents are involved in the fight against human trafficking. They're involved in church planning. They're involved in community development projects. 
uh, in children's homes, and they do a lot of different things. So my wife's primary ministry is doing that. So we like to say that she serves the servants who are already on the field. Besides that, she is an awesome Sunday school teacher in our local church. Our church is not an international church, but it is a Thai church that has some uh, missionaries there. So we have five distinct hill tribes in the north, and I'm wearing the, uh, the shirt for uh, the Kaliang tribe. Uh, so I get to wear really, really cool clothes, which is great. I know everyone's jealous. People always say, oh, man, how can I get a shirt like that? I'm like, you have to be a missionary, brother. And you have to suffer for six and a half years in Malaysia before you get to wear this shirt. So that's part of the deal. So, um, so yeah, so, so she teaches in the Sunday school. And we have five distinct hill tribes, uh, which is really fun. Our pastor is a Lahu man, and his wife is uh, Kaliang. So uh, I know here at Life Church, you guys are really into uh, um, uh, racial reconciliation and breaking down those boundaries, and we see that in our church as well. Uh, many different distinct ethnic groups there, all represented and all worshiping Jesus. So it's a fantastic thing. Um, as for me, my role is I am a trainer for Alpha Thailand, and I also run Alpha myself. Now, how many of you are familiar with Alpha, formerly known as the Alpha Course? A few of you. All right. Alpha is so cool, guys. I want to tell you about this. So, so I began doing Alpha in Malaysia, and I ran it with a lot of Muslim people, and they were extremely interested to, uh, to be able to sit down and to discuss who Jesus is um, without being told, you know, and being able to explore this on your own and being able to ask questions and being able to uh, engage in dialogue. Because I think that our culture is changing a lot in terms of, of how people like to interact with truth and how people like to interact with learning. And um, what I'm doing right now as a, lec- as a lecture style is really becoming more and more difficult in our culture with the shorter attention spans we have, the fact that we're constantly flipping between apps and we're scrolling through Facebook tweets and we go to Instagram and Twitter, and our attention spans are much shorter. So I think that... As a style, Alpha is very effective at being able to get people to engage um, with the important questions of life. So what we will do is we'll take 12 weeks and we'll watch a different video every week that's about 20 minutes long. And we discuss different things such as who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? What is my purpose on the earth? How do I pray? A lot of basic things for Christianity. So the reason this is really important is because it's a great way for people who don't know anything about Christianity to learn and to not feel any pressure of, oh, I'm trying to convert you. It's not about that at all, but it's allowing people to explore and to interact with truth on a pace that works for them. Okay. The second thing it allows us to do is to reach out to people who have been in the church but are no longer interested. You know, people who are backslidden, people who, who um, maybe have fallen away from their faith. Maybe they call themselves an agnostic or an atheist um, or any other label that they choose. But you know what? If they are willing to say, you know what? I've got an open mind and I'm willing to look into this with you, then they're perfect to invite to Alpha as well. So Alpha is great in a country in Thailand where hardly no one knows about Jesus, as well as being used in the United Kingdom and Western countries, the United States as well. So I highly encourage you to look at Alpha because we've seen so much fruit come from it. I've taken Alpha and I like to set it up outside of the church. I've taken it into cafes. I've taken it into a CrossFit box. I've put it on the rooftop of a, uh, of a gym in Thailand. We've run it in an office. We've run it in a coffee shop. We've run it in our home. 
So anywhere and everywhere, you can set up an alpha group and have a small group of people coming and discussing the big questions in life. So it's really, really awesome. If you haven't done an alpha, they're really fun, and you should totally look into doing it. So seen a lot of good fruits from that. There was one man, he's an American man, but he had a Thai wife. Uh, so he's very successful in business. He's got all kinds of money. He's got an estate and everything. But his wife had, had become a, a Christian, and they're currently separated. So, so he's someone who, in spite of being successful in business and having all sorts of money and you know, having success everywhere you can see it, he's someone who saw that his life was missing something. He decided that he wanted to start attending Alpha. So he began to attend Alpha with us, and it's funny because the group I was running with was a bunch of teenage girls. They were all like 15, and here he is, this 49-year-old man, you know, and he's sitting there in the groups and everything, but you know what? Week after week, he came back, and when we put the questions out there, you know, he was wrestling with it, saying, you know, listen, Jesus had to either be uh, a liar, he had to be um, crazy, or he was the son of God. Because if you look at the choices, that's pretty much all we've got, you know? And he was sitting with that, and he's wrestling with that. He's like, there has to be another way. And to see him wrestle with that uh, was, was really, really fun, and to be able to discuss that with him. So during the midst of Alpha, he ended up kicking out his live-in girlfriend. You know, he said, this isn't going to work anymore. You've got to go. Uh, he began trying to reconcile with his wife as well. He began coming to church and was reading his Bible regularly. So that's a really cool testimony that came from Alpha. And we've seen a lot of people touched in Alpha. We've seen people healed. We've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen people uh, come to know Jesus. Uh, and we don't even know when it happens. Just at the end of Alpha, they're like, yeah, about three weeks ago, I decided, yeah, you know, I want to follow Jesus. So Alpha has been a fantastic tool uh, to reach people with. Just going to check my time to see how I'm doing. All right. Okay. So um, another thing God's been working in um, in Thailand that's been kind of unique has been through, um, through seeing people physically healed when we pray for them. So this is a bit of a personal journey where I think about three years ago, um, I became very frustrated in my faith. I became very frustrated with, with um, trying to reach people for Jesus with basically my argument versus your argument, you know, and I've got my holy book and you've got your holy book. And basically we just talk to each other and we walk away with the same conclusions. I'm like, God, I'm really kind of sick of this, you know, and I would really like to begin to see you work in power. I'd really like to see you begin to do things because it's one thing for us to talk about God. It's a second thing to actually experience God's presence in a powerful way and to see him move and to see someone physically healed. I said, God, this is the way forward. I said, why are we continuing to do missions where, you know, we whip out the book and we just try and convince people? I'm not discounting the importance of the Bible. God, it's absolutely important. But the power of God, I think, is what opens people's eyes to accept the Bible as truth. So, so God told me um, a few years ago, he says, I want you to start praying for the sick. I said, all right, let's do this. And, um, and then nothing happened for a little while. So I was at the gym one day, though, and, uh, and there was this personal trainer who was there. Um, my best ministry happens at the gym. It's like my off-the-books ministry. You know, Alpha is what I officially do, and that's what you guys see in my, in my email updates a lot. 
but, but I, I'm a real firm believer in taking Jesus everywhere you go and not clocking out of your ministry time, but everywhere I go, I'm constantly praying for people. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. So anyway, I'm at this gym, and, uh, and this trainer, she's uh, wrecked her motorcycle, and she's, she's got a bad back, and she's like hobbled, laying on the sofa and everything. She can't hardly move. And I'd seen her for a few days. And then one day, God says, Nick, I want you to go pray for her. I said, okay, just let me finish my workout. So I keep working out. And then afterwards, um, she, uh, she goes for lunch before I can get a chance to pray for her. So I'm like, oh, you know. And this happened for like two or three days in a row. And I'm feeling really guilty by this time. I'm like, man, you know, I really got to pray for this girl. So finally, I'm able to get, get her and I pray for her. And uh, this is the thing. When you pray for people for healing, uh, 98% of the time, especially if they're not, they don't expect anything to happen. Okay, and 99% of the time, they want this to be over with as quickly as possible because this is weird, right? Okay, so as a result, when you combine those two things, you know, you pray for someone, are you feeling better? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling better, you know, and nothing has changed at all, okay? So, so I say, I, I tell people now when I pray for them, I'm like, listen, do not patronize me. I'm not looking for you to make me feel better. I'm not, making, I'm not looking for you to pat me on the back and say, that was a good Christian thing to do. Thank you so much, you know. I'm looking for you to physically be healed, and if you're not healed, I would like to pray again a couple more times to see if you will be healed. So anyway, so I pray for this woman, and I can tell nothing's happened, you know. She's like, oh yeah, it feels better a little bit, you know. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how we're going to do this. So I prayed for her two more times. And the third time, she bends over to test it, and I see her eyes pop open like in shock. And she, she rocks up, and she's got this look of absolute shock on her face. And that's when you know somebody's been healed, when they got this crazy look like, oh, my God, what just happened? You know? And that's what happened to her. And I'm also like, oh, my God, what just happened? You know? And God's like, I happened. So... So she got healed right there, and she, she tested everything. She felt uh, completely fine. And from that point forward, she never hobbled around or limped or anything. So she went off to lunch, and naturally, I go back to finish my workout because I finally stopped my workout to go, to go pray for it, right? So the owner of the gym comes up to me, and he says, hey, you've got power like this? I said, well, I don't have the power, but I said, Jesus has the power. He said, wow. He said, I've only heard about something like this happening one time before, and um, so he goes back to his desk, and I, I continue to finish my workout. It was a really long workout. And uh, as I'm heading out the door, he, he points to his computer. He says, look here, I'm, I'm reading about Jesus right now. Because he saw this thing happen. He heard her testimony. He's like, this is interesting stuff. So, so he draws a picture for me, and he's, he's got a um, pic, uh, circle here. He says, this is Jesus. He says, this is you. He says, this is me. He says, can you get the power from Jesus and then give that to me? <laughs> so, so I tell you, it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so funny, you know, when people who have just no church background at all, you know, because they're, they're having this interaction with truth for the first time. And they're like, how does this thing work? Because they have no idea. So, so I erased myself from the whole picture. I said, no, nah, man, he wants to have, you know, the Jesus to you picture. That's what he wants. He wants to have that relationship with you. So, so that was the first time that God had really begun to, to work in the ways of healing. And that was such an awesome thing. And we've seen a lot more things happen. Uh, but I want to just leave you with, um, with my favorite healing testimony because of the results of it. Okay, So you think, you know, God's called us, our family, to this great adventure in Thailand and we're over there. 
But we have to realize that we're all in an adventure that God has called us to. The place where you're, where you're at is no less than the place where I'm at, you know. And I'm certainly no more holy than you, and I'm no better than you. And I'm the most average of all the averages, you know. God went to all the powerful people, the smart people, and, and all the qualified people. And I reckon they told him no, because he had to whittle his way down to me, you know. And eventually I said, yeah, I've got nothing going on. Let's do this. So... So, man, you have to see where God is, where he has you, and you have to be ready to embrace adventure at any time. So here I am after a church service, just a normal church service, and how many of y'all like the Sunday afternoon nap? Am I the only one? Oh, the Lord blesses the Sunday afternoon nap. Go home about 2 o'clock, lay down, wake up about 4. So, so I like my Sunday afternoon nap. So our pastor asked me, he says, Nick, you want to go up into the village and, uh, and you know, do ministry today? I said, yeah, let's do it. So I had this opportunity to take the Sunday afternoon nap, but I said, you know what, let's see if God's got an adventure for us today. So I pack up in the truck, my family went home, um, and, and I went out alone with the pastor and, uh, and some other people from the church. So we have to go like two hours up into the mountains, had to get out at one point to make sure the truck could make it underneath a tree that had fallen across the road. So we're deep, deep back in there, and there's no electricity when we get there. It's, it's all the, the bamboo huts and everything, you know. I think, yes, I'm a real missionary. Here I am in the bamboo huts, you know. So, so we're out there, and we're, we're praying for different people. So, um, so I noticed this, this white building that looks completely different than anything else, right? And it's the church. Um, and it's got a cross on it and the whole deal. Uh, but it's boarded up. No one's inside of it. And no one's been in there for who knows how many years. So I asked the story and he said, yeah, there used to be a church here. Uh, but there's a really powerful witch doctor in, in the village. And people just weren't interested in going to the church anymore. So I said, okay. So the, the, the name of the village was Jatek, which is actually the name of the witch doctor. So that shows you how much authority he has there. So we end up going to Jatek, the witch doctor's house. And I, I love being around witch doctors because they understand spiritual power and they expect things to happen when they do spells and everything. So, so when we come in, when we let the, the power of God interact with that, they have no problem accepting it. They're like, wow, this is pretty cool. So his wife has, uh, he, he's an older witch doctor. He's been in the game for a while. So his wife has two bad knees and she's serving us and everything. And she's just really having a hard time getting around. So I said, hey, let's pray for her knees. So laid hands on her knees and said, in the name of Jesus' knees, I command you to be made well. Everything reformed, the whole deal. Prayed for her, and she tested it out, and she said, my knees are better. And so she was healed immediately on the spot. And she turned to her husband. She said, we need to get a pastor in here to teach us about Jesus because he has power to heal my knees like this. So that was the testimony that went out from that, that simple moment. So our pastor went back into town, made some phone calls, and he found a pastor who's now going into that village, even today, and opening up that church, and they're having church in that village now and preaching the gospel. Isn't that great? So that's another off-the-books ministry thing that's just kind of cool. And that's why I wanted to share that with you, because it would have been really easy for me just to say, you know what, I'm not going to go out today. I'd rather get my nap. I'm tired this afternoon. But we have to see that God gives us opportunities every day, but we have to be bold to be able to reach out and do that. You know, I could have responded in fear. This is a witch doctor. Well, if he puts a spell on me, 
you know, which I've had that happen before, and it's not fun, but I won't go into that. It's, that's an India story. That's a whole other thing, okay? So, um, so, you know, I could have responded in fear. I could have responded in laziness, but I responded in faith and said, God, I want to give you an opportunity to do something, and, and that's what we did. So now everywhere we go, I'm looking for opportunities to pray for people and to just, you know, represent Christ and to let the Holy Spirit work through our lives, and we all have the opportunity Wherever you go, uh, you can ask my wife. Everywhere we go, if I see somebody with a cane or in a wheelchair, they're fair game, and I'm going to pray for them, you know. Um, And I've done that. I've done that in Walmarts. I've done that in pizzerias. I've done that in the gym. I did that in a gas station, you know. Um, I will will grab anyone and just take a quick moment. Like, you don't have to John 3.16, everybody, every time you see them, you know. But just pray in the name of Jesus. And I do not see everyone healed. I'll be the first to tell you. I do not see everyone healed. Uh, but that does not deter me at all. I continue to believe God for the greater healings. You know, I've seen, I've seen legs extend about an inch, you know. Uh, but there's a girl in Thailand who's got an arm that's four inches short. And I've yet to see it come out. And I pray for her every week, you know. So, um, so we've seen God do some awesome things. We've seen him do some healings in the States as well. Uh, but that's about all the time I want to take for you guys this morning. But I hope that was an encouragement to you. I hope that helps explain a little bit of our story and, and how God has taken us from one place to the next place and how he's been faithful through the entire thing. Um, so with that, I just also want to say that if any of you have any pain in your body and you would like uh, me to, to pray for you afterwards, then I'll just be sitting up here and we're not going to make a big spectacle or show of it. I don't do that, but just quietly pray. Because I'm introverted. I don't want all that either. I just want to see you healed. I don't want any glory or any of that. You know? so, uh, so that is all i got to say. Guys, thank you so much for your prayers and for your support. My wife says there's one more thing. Okay, I thought I did that. Are you not challenged to take your great adventure? <laughs> Are you not entertained? Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. So the challenge for you guys is to see your life as being like no less than, than our lives, but to see that God has you in the midst of your adventure and to recognize those moments every day. And for some of you, maybe God is calling you out of your normal. Maybe he's calling you out of the shire and he's sending you into Middle Earth. You know, maybe he's sending you off somewhere that you, you're not really sure about. You know, and that was my case. And I have to say that that growing up just a simple country boy in Knoxville, from East Knoxville, um, you know, and never thinking that I would ever really leave this area, which I still love with all my heart, um, God has put me in a place where I could not be happier right now. And it would be so difficult for me to leave Thailand and to come back and live in the U.S. You know, I wake up with fear every day that God will call me back to the U.S. <laughs> you know? I love it so much because God is with me wherever I go. And he's, he's taking me through difficult times, and he's delivered me from that. And now he's put us in a peaceful place, and our entire family is thriving. So for all of us, I want you just to examine your own hearts today and say, God, is there a greater adventure that you're calling me to for the long term? And for the short term, God, what is that adventure today? What is that moment where I can come in and be the fragrance of Christ? Where can I bring the Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus is just waiting for us to bring him and to take him to different places. And if we're not bold, if we don't see those opportunities, then we remain Christians who just sit in church on Sunday morning and our lives have no impact in the world. 
And we can all be in that place. But I encourage us to step out with boldness because it's not a natural thing for me to do that. I'm actually a very introverted person. I don't like public speaking and I don't like being in like groups of people. I kind of like being with just like one person because uh, it gets intimidating. But God puts boldness in me to people and to ask for crazy things. Like to grab a lady in the gym and say, can I pray that your leg grows back? You know, I will do that. And I've done that with the lady twice, <laughs> you know, and, and to believe God for it and to not lose heart if it's not happening then, because I continue to believe. So that is all I have to share. So thank you guys so much for, for your prayer support, for your financial support, because we cannot do it without the partnership of individuals and churches. Uh, 17 years on this journey, and we've never been in debt, and we've lived 100% on, on partnerships and just one-time donations and that type of thing. So that's a great testimony to God's faithfulness. So with that, I'm done. I'll be here to pray if you guys want to pray.